Welcome to Life at the Academy, a Midshipman-produced podcast that examines how the culture, traditions, and daily life at Annapolis have evolved over time. I'm Midshipman Nels Warrenimi. Our guest for this episode is the 78th Secretary of the Navy, the Honorable Carlos del Toro. You may be wondering, how did a couple of lowly midshipmen get the opportunity to interview their Secretary of the Navy? Well, this interview was in conjunction with an internship that myself and midshipman Landon Klaus participated in at the Pentagon in the Secretary of the Navy's office underneath the Secretariat Historian. As a part of that internship, we conducted an oral history interview with the Secretary. We asked him about strategic questions facing him in his role today, but we began the interview with asking how the Naval Academy has shaped him as an individual and how it is impacting him in his current role as Secretary. What you'll hear is the beginning of our interview with the Secretary about his experiences at the Academy and the rest of the interview about the strategic and contemporary questions facing the Navy can be found in the Proceedings magazine in an article containing the oral history transcript. Before going any further, I'll introduce the Secretary to you. Born in Havana, Cuba, the Honorable Carlos del Toro immigrated to the United States in 1962. Raised in the Hell's Kitchen district of New York City, he attended New York Public Schools and later received an appointment to the U.S. Naval Academy at Annapolis, where he earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Electrical Engineering in 1983. As a naval officer throughout numerous tours of duty at sea, he served aboard a frigate, two destroyers, a cruiser, and an aircraft carrier, deploying numerous times to the Mediterranean and Black Seas during the Cold War, to the Pacific, and to the Persian Gulf three times during Operation Desert Shield and Storm. His shore assignments in the Navy included tours as a program manager with Naval Warfare Information Systems Command and the National Reconnaissance Office as a student at the Naval Postgraduate School, the Naval War College, and the George Washington University, as Director of Training for the Aegis Training and Readiness Center, as a White House Fellow to Jack Lew and Sylvia Matthews Burwell at the Office of Management and Budget in the Executive Office of the President, and as the Senior Military Assistant to the Director of Defense Programs Analysis and Evaluation in the Office of the Secretary of Defense. In 1998, he was selected for Command at Sea and assigned as the Commissioning Commanding Officer of the USS Bulkley, DDG-84, then our nation's newest destroyer. He was the first Hispanic American naval officer to have ever served as the first captain of an Aegis-capable cruiser or destroyer. While in command, he steered the ship from christening through its maiden voyage to commissioning and sea trials to its first deployment. In 2004, he was selected both for the rank of captain and major command at sea. Carlos del Toro was CEO and president of SBG Technology Solutions, a rapidly growing engineering and IT services company that he founded in 2004. On June 11, 2021, the Honorable Carlos del Toro was nominated to be Secretary of the Navy by President Joe Biden. On August 7, his nomination was confirmed by a voice vote in the U.S. Senate. On August 24, he was sworn in as the 78th Secretary of the Navy by Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. Without any further ado, this was our interview with the Secretary, or more precisely, it was the beginning of our interview with the Secretary. As I mentioned, 
The rest of the interview can be found in Proceedings Magazine. Joining me today is Midshipman Landon Klaus. We are here in the Secretary of the Navy's office at the Pentagon, joined by the Honorable Carlos del Toro, 78th Secretary of the Navy. Thank you very much, sir, for having us today. Well, it's great to be here, and congratulations to both of you on being interns here in the Secretary of the Navy working on these uh, history, very important history programs. Thank you, sir. As part of our internship with the Secretary, this is our oral history interview with you. We want to ask you about your time at the Naval Academy, your time in the fleet, and now your time as Secretary. And I'm Midshipman Nels Waranimi. I'm Midshipman Landon Klaus. Nice to meet you both. It's great to be here with you. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you, too, sir. <laughs> Um, so uh, today we'd like to start out with uh, your time at the Academy. Sure. Um, so as Nels and I have both found out, the Academy and the military in general are a pretty transformative institution. Could you elaborate on how the Naval Academy transformed or developed you uh, during your time as a midshipman? Well, they're very transformative, and there's no doubt in my mind that it had not been for the Naval Academy, I probably wouldn't be sitting here in this office as Secretary of the Navy. You know, I came into this country as a Cuban-American refugee. Uh, brought here by my family at the age of one, and I grew up in Hell's Kitchen in New York City. It was a very challenging uh, period of time, obviously, sort of like uh, West Side Story without the uh, the music and the dancing, you might say. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, both my parents worked two jobs mostly. I was raised by my grandmother in New York, and then you know, as I came into high school, Thomas Edison Alva, uh, Thomas uh, Alva Edison High School in Jamaica, Queens. Um, I realized that you know I had a love for all things engineering, and I also wanted to serve my country and give back for all the wonderful things that this country had provided me and my family in terms of freedom and liberty. And so the Naval Academy was sort of the perfect choice for that. But I really didn't think that you know this young poor kid from from New York City could really be accepted to the Naval Academy. To me, it was sort of a fallacy. And at one point, I was so sort of, you know, critical of, of my chances of getting in that I even said, boy, I told my father, I said, you know, Dad, I don't know, you know, Annapolis, you know, will accept someone like me. And my dad, I remember clearly saying, you know, well, I guess you'll never find out if you don't try, don't you? And so I did, and I made it, and it transformed my life in every possible way. I mean, it really taught me above everything else. It taught me what leadership is all about, and I think it's those lessons that I went to then implement throughout my naval career, 22 years in the Navy, and then 17 years in the private sector as well, too. Sir, each midshipman has their own role within the broader culture of the brigade. Some famously, famously push back against aspects of being a midshipman, like Senator John McCain, for example. Others embrace their responsibilities entirely. Could you tell us where you fell on that spectrum? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> and I actually had the privilege when I was serving as a White House fellow in 1998 to spend, uh, to shadow John McCain around for an entire day. Uh, it was an extraordinary experience. It was actually the day that he chose to uh, announce his presidency, uh, his candidacy for presidency of the United States. And uh, it was an extraordinary experience. So I do have a lot of respect for John McCain. I also have a lot of respect for his uh, roommate, uh, Admiral Chuck Larson, uh, who perhaps took the other extreme of uh, the leadership spectrum as John McCain did. I guess I was somewhere in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Not to provide a diplomatic answer, but I had my moments where I uh, pursued the John McCain uh, style of leadership and, and certainly tried to do the best that I could as uh, an electrical engineering major, uh, which was a very tough major at the Naval Academy. 
um, but one that I had tremendous passion for. Uh, so I guess somewhere somewhere in the middle is the right answer. <laughs> Sir, everyone has their favorite Naval Academy story. Is there anything that comes to mind that you could share with us today? Oh, goodness gracious. Boy, you really put me on the spot there. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, there are so many special moments, let's call them, at the Naval Academy <laughs> that, that one uh, sort of never forgets. Uh, but, you know, so much of it is the bonds that you build with your fellow um, company mates, really. You know, I was just at a reception last night where I invited the class of 83 to come and join, and so many past classmates of mine came, and it just brings back all the memories that you had, whether it was a dining in uh, there in, Dar in, in King Hall, right, uh, or a particular summer trip that you took, uh, you know, during uh, Protramit or something like that. You know, I remember traveling out to um, Miramar, for example, in, in San Diego, um, at a time when Top Gun was sort of coming out and, you know, it was being filmed and everything like that. It was a very exciting time, too. So so many wonderful memories uh, of the Naval Academy. And, of course, one tries to forget all the, the evening studying away for the next exam <laughs> that you had to take as well, too. But <laughs> nevertheless, uh, just wonderful, wonderful memories. Yes, sir. When you were a midshipman, what, was, what were your perceptions of the role of Secretary of the Navy? Uh, it's an interesting question because as I was coming into the Naval Academy in 1979, there was the first Hispanic Secretary of the Navy, uh, Edward Hidalgo, who was a Republican actually serving under the Carter administration, uh, which speaks a lot to bipartisanship and the importance of bipartisanship in our government. Um, of course, I didn't know him personally at that moment in time. Uh, it wasn't until actually I was a lieutenant that I actually came to personally know him, and he became a mentor of mine believe it or not, when I was a lieutenant. How ironic that, you know, years later, and he's passed away since, but how ironic that now as the second Hispanic American, the first Cuban American to serve as Secretary of the Navy, that we would have crossed paths in such a way. Uh, but Edward Hidalgo uh, cared deeply uh, about diversity. He cared deeply about equal opportunity, cared deeply about giving everyone the chance to really succeed uh, to the best of one's abilities. And I have no doubt that some of the policies that perhaps he put in place uh, in the Navy uh, and at the Naval Academy uh, benefit, benefited me in some way. Certainly, the, I benefited from the wisdom of his uh, leadership later on as lieutenant. Um, and lo and behold, I think of him often as I walk the halls here at the Secretariat and see his portrait up on the hallway every day. Uh, so I know you mentioned uh, former Secretary Hidalgo. Are there any other uh, leaders throughout your career that uh, you've, you've come to look up to that left an impact on you during your career? Oh, very much so. And I made reference earlier to Admiral Chuck Larson, who, uh, whose name is on the administrative building of the superintendent uh, of the Naval Academy. And um, Admiral Larson was also a White House fellow, and I had the privilege of serving as a White House fellow from 98 to 99, serving in the Office of uh, Management Budget uh, to then Director Jack Lew. Uh, but uh, Chuck Larson uh, was a White House fellow himself. And I remember when I was applying to the program, I was a program manager in Washington, D.C. And out of the blue, I got a call, picked up the phone and said, stand by for a call from Admiral Larson. And I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> I don't even know Admiral Larson. <laughs> and he had discovered that I had that I was going into the finals. And he wanted to spend a little bit of time with me, talking to me about what the, the final selection process is all about. 
and he wound up spending almost an hour, hour and a half with me on the phone. I mean, just extraordinary leader that truly exemplifies the characteristics of, um, you know, good leadership uh, that's taught at the Naval Academy. And uh, so I've, I've gained a tremendous amount of respect for him. I did become a White House Fellow. I became uh, president of the Alumni Association. And I had many, many, many fond memories uh, spent with uh, Admiral Chuck Larson and his wife. Uh, of course, Admiral Larson passed away and is buried right next to John McCain at the Naval Academy uh, Cemetery. But I still keep in touch with Mrs. Larson quite a bit. And boy, talk about, you asked me earlier about, you know, what are the, some of those experiences that are special that draw from the Naval Academy? That's certainly one of them. Sir, you've had a variety of distinctive positions in your career, including, as you mentioned, White House Fellow or the Alumni Association. Now to add to the list, Office of the Secretary of Defense or commissioning the USS Bulkley. Few naval officers have had any one of these opportunities, let alone all of them. Which or what of these experiences do you think has best prepared you for serving as secretary today? Yeah, I mean, I have to say collectively uh, several of them, but mm -hmm. there's no doubt that um, I'm probably I don't want to speak uh, incorrectly with regards to history, but <laughs> I, I may very well be the only Secretary of the Navy who's actually served as a commanding officer, the first commanding officer of a ship, and actually built the ship itself, right? Uh, perhaps something for both of you to research and get back to me on <laughs> to make sure it's uh, accurate. But uh, in, either case, in either case, I, I think that may very well be true. And so, you know, the experience that I gained by building a, a Navy destroyer over the course of a year and a half in the shipyard and then sailing her on sea trials for a year and a half is truly extraordinary and serves me well every day as I now am charged with the responsibility of building all of our ships, essentially, or having responsibility for their, um, the financing and the oversight of the, of the shipbuilding programs, uh, as well as aircraft and, and everything else. Um, so that has helped me tremendously so. But my experience in the private sector also helped me tremendously so. I spent 17 years building a small business in the private sector. I learned the value of a single dollar and how to put that dollar to use uh, to better grow our, my business. And I equate that today to understanding the value of, of a single dollar that the American taxpayer affords us to fund the things that we have to do in the Department of the Navy and that we have a responsibility as public servants to ensure that we get the proper return on investment for that single dollar in every possible way. And that's an equally important lesson as well, too. So there have been, you know, many lessons that I've learned throughout my 22 years in the Navy and 17 years in the private sector that I uh, put to work uh, every day in this, uh, in this very important job that I have now. Sir, um, is the role of secretary what you expected it to be? And have your perceptions about the Pentagon changed from kind of your previous tours here when you were in the Navy, when you were an officer? Um, of course, I, you know, I served for 22 years and I retired as a commander, so I didn't serve sort of at the highest levels of uniform service. So there were some things that I just wasn't exposed to, obviously, but later on, uh, working in, in, in the Office of Management Budget, for example, at the White House, I gained some insight into what government was like at the very highest levels. And so I came in with a pretty pragmatic expectation of what government uh, is all about and, and the importance of uh, the role of the Secretariat. Um, and, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, you know, I'll either have three years left in the job or seven years left in the job, depending upon the wishes of the American uh, voters, right? Um, but if it's only three years, you know, I, there's really a, a, an urgency uh, to get things done, right? Uh, 
because uh, if it's just three years, there's a lot of things that you know we really need to move out on to get things done. And it's really about taking care of our sailors and Marines every day, about posturing the Department of the Navy to provide the best combat ready forces that we can provide to the combatant commanders so that they could execute the vision of the Secretary of Defense and, 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 and defense of our national defense strategy. Um, and so there's a lot to be done. I have a bias for action. And sometimes, you know, working in large organizations, the, the bureaucracy can sort of take hold and it makes sometimes things more difficult to execute. And so you have to find the right balance between respecting the checks and balances of the bureaucracy versus really trying to get things done on behalf of our sailors and Marines and the American. Secretary Del Toro, this has been a fascinating discussion for us. And thank you, sir, for taking time out of your schedule to speak with us today. Well, thank you both for actually uh, be willing to serve your, your country, uh, for having applied to the Naval Academy the way I did, and having had a successful uh, uh, three years at the Naval Academy. Don't screw it up in your fourth year. <laughs> Follow the Charles Larson uh, methodology of leadership. To, keep you out of trouble <laughs> and uh, you know I have a tremendous love obviously of the Naval Academy and and all our midshipmen who serve as ROTC candidates and OCS candidates and uh, Naval Academy candidates um, you know you really are the future of our Navy you know when when people sometimes ask me uh, sort of silly sort of way you know what I hope to be my legacy uh, you're my legacy it's the young people who serve in our Navy today. And, you know, you really are the future of our, of our Navy, the future of our country. And if I could build, along with the Commandant, the CNO, and all our senior leadership, a bigger, better, stronger Navy for you all to continue to serve in and for you all to have the ability to, you know, benefit from all these educational uh, institutions that I spoke about today, then that's all that I could ask for. So. Thank you for your service, and I, I look forward to meeting you and the rest of your fellow classmates, uh, and we'll see you at graduation next year, too. <laughs> at the Army-Navy game, let's not forget that either. Right? Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the many responsibilities, you know, the Secretary of the Navy has many responsibilities, but one of those responsibilities is winning the Army-Navy game. <laughs> Unfortunately, I personally have no control over it, but uh, I leave that in your fine hands. So you don't want to go put on the pads, too, and get in there? No, I don't think so. I don't think You'll be better served with uh, your fellow classmates doing that. <laughs> have a great you, day. It's great Thanks, being sir. with you. This concludes our interview with the Honorable Carlos Del Toro, 78th Secretary of the Navy, about his experiences as a midshipman, his time in the fleet, and his current role as Secretary of the Navy. We thank the Secretary for his invitation to join us in his office to conduct this interview. We thank him for his time and for sharing with us his perspective and experience. This has been the Midshipman Produced Podcast, Life at the Academy, recording from the Naval Academy's Samson Hall in Annapolis, Maryland. On behalf of the USNA History Department and our Midshipman hosts and producers, thank you for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs> <laughs>